0: We need to match each other's positioning So if you both hold it nice and close Then we, uh, we, all, we all have the same level
1: Chin level Although that, that isn't necessarily
0: chin. Don't, be, don't be like
2: that Why are you being like that? There's it's no ch- need for that oh, we, we, we Unnecessary have, And you know
0: now How have, unnecessary that was We all have chins of different sizes ch- Chin level is a little too vague Yes The, the area covered is, Hang on. is too large What are you
2: joining in for? <laughs> We're all joining so in Steve, do you want have a go How big my chin is or not? Are you going to Go say well, something horrible? It's the biggest chin in the room
0: Thanks mate <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> He's always the fact guy, isn't he? That's fact. Yeah. Fact guy. Oh, fact guy. fact guy. Mind He's you, you're fact, only saying that because I had to go at
2: your, your gym workouts. I know why you're, you're being so nasty. I'm not
3: talking to you at all. Re- Agree. Was it all
2: me, though, really? Yes. There was Don't, s- it wasn't all me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was.
1: It, was, it
3: was. They you, smiled you, you, a lot
2: when I, I was saying horrible things. It was
1: things. entirely you, Him, and it was spe- spe- completely unprovoked. No, <laughs> you
2: smiled like I've never seen you smile before. We were
1: completely unrelated, you just went... Steve's quite fat,
2: isn't he? I didn't say he's quite fat. I said he's more, in terms of an athlete, he's more of a darts player. I didn't say that That's not saying he's fat. mean he's got, he's got an eye for the hockey how, and, how is and it the chockey it <laughs> Sorry, Steve. We've got the subject of my big chin. Carry
0: on. Yeah,
2: don't,
3: but don't think that the rather limp defence from Messrs Smith and Ferris didn't go unnoticed as well. Ah, uh, good. We tried.
0: Listen, Listen good. whenever humour is involved, you've got to let the good stuff breathe. Don't jump in all over the top of it, as we do 99.9% of the time. Mm. When something like that happens, you've got to let it breathe, yeah. and you've got to appreciate it for what it is, okay. which is body shaming and appalling.
1: Yeah, and a, deep, a deeply personal attack on a yeah. close friend. And
0: yeah. an un- unnecessary one, unprovoked one, uh, really, really unpleasant thing to do. The
3: irony being that I was listening to the podcast on my way to the gym. So whatever darts board <laughs> when I when I got to the punch when I got to the punch bag and they were telling me to visualise my opponent. You got to the guess wall. Who I was, guess who I was visualising?
2: Rory Smith's stupid smug face. I hope S- it's someone with a considerably bigger chin. Oh.
0: This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Joining me, Hugh Ferris, are three men and a baby, featuring Andy Hinchcliffe as Tom Selleck, all man and awe-inducing facial hair. Stephen Wyeth as Ted Danson, having children out of wedlock. Rory Smith as <laughs> (laughs) Steve Gutenberg, creative one with slightly foppish locks and as the baby Ed Whittington Smith. Uh, Hector by the way is also here but that information arrived only after I conjured up that winning intro so he only gets mentioned now. The film Three Men and a Baby
1: would have been improved vastly by the presence of a recently shorn
0: Spaniel. (laughs) Uh, Does anybody know who the director was of Three Men and a Baby? It will shock you. Is it It Spike Lee? The, the sp was right, but we'll come back to that in just a second. Was the Ike Lee wrong? <laughs> the Ike Lee was wrong. Spielbergs: No. Spock. Leonard Nimoy. Get away. That is your fact of the day. Um, the food has been provided by Stephen. Perhaps, Stephen, the, the word's best conjured up by you in, um, in description of what you have provided.
3: Well... There was a vegetarian in, in my house the other day, and that always causes problems. Absolutely. Uh, but I knew, I knew that he would... In fact, he's a friend of all of us, Stuart Gardner from MUTV. Uh, he just wanted any sort of meat, not even ham. Not even wafer-thin <laughs> ham.
2: Was he invited in, or did he just break in?
3: Not even bacon. Streaky no, it's, bacon. It's, it's, I've, it's I've, rare
2: you get a vegetarian in your house. Did he, did he just break I've, in through an open window? Or?
3: I have been in Lyon, the gastronomic capital
2: of the country that
3: prides itself on its food... And had to spend the entire duration of my time there wandering around looking for pizzerias so that he wouldn't have to shame himself in front of other members of the press corps by ordering the vegetarian option in a magnificent steak restaurant. Why are we in, but Leon? For a football match. They
0: have a football team. Several there. years ago, this was. Oh, not recently. Uh, it's a story recently. from the, your... I thought you meant so,
3: recently. So I know, I, know, I know that Stuart will either eat a margarita pizza or falafel and halloumi. Mm-hmm. And, and it was pretty easy to throw together so I
1: thought well if it's easy enough for him it's easy enough for you guys a couple of days later he eats a loomy does he there you go he wants to have a look at himself there really uh, the ethics of that geez. cheese you know vegetarian is he, is he doing all he can could he not go fully vegan is, is could really, he do more it, it, could Stuart Gardner do more that's my question could he be better could he be a better version of himself Anyway, well, you've, you've got him to thank for your vegetarian meal today.
0: And, um, and it was delightful.
1: Greek and uh,
3: Middle Eastern flavours.
2: There's only Rory that could really challenge Stuart in that way because he's constantly looking to improve himself in every department, isn't he? He, has, yeah. he is indeed. He, he is. is indeed.
0: Need I remind you, the SPMPLPL PLPL is once again um, up and running for the new season. The Set Piece Many Premier League Predictions League is the competition you care about more than any other and one that Manchester City or Liverpool simply cannot win. Both reasons enough to predict how you think the 20 Premier League teams will end up at the end of the season and then sit on your hands for a while. Head to tinyurl.com forward slash piece menu to enter your selections before 6pm on August the 30th. You may well notice that Ed has been using code to tell us which 20 teams he feels will finish in positions 1 to 20. So I hope you're paying attention. And
2: he has a very good chance of winning the competition.
0: Uh, We have reversed the scoring formula to have you all battling for the most points rather than The fewest. And this year, not only can you win bonus points for getting the top four and bottom three correct, but there is also a wild card. This is the team you are convinced will finish in a certain position and you're equally convinced that nobody else thinks so. Select that team's position, pick them as your wild card, but be warned, the more people that agree with you, the less you will be rewarded. So here is a little clue. The last time I checked, and this was a few days ago, nobody had picked Wolves to finish 14th not one entry of the hundreds of entries not one person has currently at time of recording picked wolves to finish 14th
2: i probably know why that is why is that because they're not going to finish
0: 14th well if you think that wolves will finish 14th you select them as your wild card if they do and you do you'll cash in big time i use the word cash there there will be no cash tinyurl.com forward slash set piece menu do it before august the 30th at 6pm.
2: So, so if you were to do this and it's right, how many points, do we know how many points you get for that?
0: You will win the amount of points yes. that corresponds to how few people have guessed it. So if
2: no one else...
0: No one else, you'll win 20 points. Big
2: points there. Big, big points big, big coming your
0: way. Uh, you can get in touch with the podcast as ever at setpiecemenu is where we are on Twitter, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. And also on Facebook where you can also find all the details of the SPM PL. And our first item of correspondence today comes from our Facebook page. Stuart Penwarden says this. The debate about rules you had was interesting, and I mostly agreed. This was last week's episode. I have to say, as a lawyer, says Stuart, actus reus and mens rea is required for most crimes, but not all. Not all crimes require mens rea, and there is also the crime of attempt which does not require actus reus. I hope you're learning here. An awful lunge, for example, on the football field should be punished as a deterrent, even without contact. So here is my view on some of the laws. In offside, there should be clear distance with the 50% umpire's cool rule that we mentioned last week. This mandates involvement of the linesmen. They are going to abdicate responsibility Otherwise, handball should be deliberate for a penalty with a single exception of it stopping a goal. Both are pens. Otherwise, no pen, sod off silhouettes. Playing out for the back is improved by the new rule because of the space left by a higher press is his final and rather pithy response to the one that got Rory particularly annoyed uh, last week. I so that's from Stuart. I'm
1: not annoyed by the rule change. I'm, an, I'm annoyed by the sentiment behind the rule change, which is very much retuning your fiddle as the boat burns around you. So well, we sad, which is a line I probably I probably should have used more. <laughs> you in actually wrote a, in things. a slightly broader context. Yeah,
0: um, Sean Taylor. ...has got in touch to say, hi Steve and friends. Episode 141 has inspired me to contribute, as I'm sure it has many others. Well, Sean, yes. The new interpretations of laws have been a handy diversion... ...allowing people to get vexed about something other than the merits of otherwise... otherwise ...of no dealing our way out of the EU, says Sean. Whilst I have opinions on most of it, I am strongly tending towards Rory's overall principle... ...of stop messing about with stuff that's not broken... That uh, word messing was not the word that he chose to use. That is also his Brexit stance for what it's worth, he says. The one that winds me up to the point of distraction is handball. I truly do not understand what was wrong with the law as it stood. Handball is, was, and always should be deliberate. I.e., did you do it on purpose? If yes, foul, no, play on. All this stuff about body shape, natural position, gaining advantage, etc. is just massively overcomplicating a simple concept. Of course, someone has to interpret whether it was deliberate. That's why... That's what the guy with the whistle is for, his interpretation, he decides, everyone else, shut up. There are a good amount of capital letters in this email. It will always be a matter of interpretation, so what in God's name is the point of getting more than one opinion on it? The only reason for getting technology involved in matters of interpretation, in my view, should be if the ref says, I didn't see it, you call it. He can then delegate the decision to Stockley Park and they just call it yes or no, i.e. stop messing about. Keep up the good work, chaps. Have a great season. I have a question. Can we
1: all hear the Bob the Builder in the background, or is that is that is that something that won't be being broadcast to our listeners?
0: No, I think that's fine. If we re-rebroadcast Bob the Builder, we'll probably have to pay some sort of hefty licensing. I say yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Neil Neil Morrissey will get loads of money out of it as well. I don't,
0: know,
1: does, I don't think it is still Neil Morrissey. Is it, he's the voice of Bob the Builder. He always, always, he has, he always
3: will be the voice Is of Bob Is it
2: Morrissey Builder. from the Smiths now? It might be Morrissey from the Smiths. Let's hope so. That's so.
3: an entirely different show.
2: <laughs> uh, How, well, watch it with the handball thing. With the, the attackers now, if it strikes your hand in any way, shape, shape or form, creates a chance or goes in the goal, it's absolutely disallowed. Do you, if a defender bladders a ball off a striker's hand and it goes into the goal, do you feel that goal should stand? Because speaking to the referees, they say, the spirit of the game, you shouldn't be scoring with your hand. But if it's, again... The ball is blasted against you and it is a part of your body. Is, is the hand then clearly, hand they, they're saying it's, it's completely against the spirit of the game if it goes in off your hand?
1: If your hand is hanging limp by your side yeah. and, a, and Phil Jones smashes it against you and it goes in, yeah. that'll happen, then it should count. Mm. Clearly, it's, it's, it's his mistake, not yours. Mm. But you need, you need a law to try and help you deal with
3: an overall situation. You're talking about a potentially freakish occurrence providing an exception to the norm, Al- albeit Phil Jones lathering a ball against somebody else is not an exception to the norm, but mm. th- the laws that are there to, to help the flow of the game in a majority of circumstances, so why are we focus- focusing on the minutiae? Or, Chinch, rather, why are you focusing on the minutiae?
2: I, I, no, it's just that point of principle. If the ball strikes a hand and goes into the goal, are we saying that throughout time and throughout football, we've always thought that scoring a goal with your hand is unacceptable
3: So yeah, so it's useful to have a law that says if the ball striking an attacker's hand Mm. leads directly to the scoring of a goal then...
2: But do you feel feel that's right?
3: Why not? The best thing for all concerned is that that goal doesn't count in the example of the Wolves-Leicester game first weekend of the Premier League season which again I saw incidentally in one of the broadsheet newspapers being described as a situation where VAR decided the outcome of a game no two sets of players inability yes. to score a legitimate goal decided the outcome of the game and the correct application of the rules well of the said Stephen
1: I have a perfect parallel for VAR in that argument so you know on Twitter the people at the BBC who tweet the front and back pages of the newspaper uh-huh. every night yep and they are always, every night, blamed for the contents of the newspaper. Yes. That is blaming VAR for changing a game when, when the problem is the rules. It's the content of the rules, not the way, it's, not the way they are mm. delivered, that is the issue. Almost
3: no complaints about VAR are actually anything to do with the yeah. mechanics of that system. It's all to do with the sudden revelation that you're learning about the laws of football.
0: Aaron Lovegrove spotted something else during the first weekend of the Premier League season. It was during the first match of the Premier League season between Liverpool and Norwich. And Aaron says, how wonderful that English national treasure Delia Smith, upon Timu Puki slotting a consolation goal for her beloved Norwich, started celebrating directly into the face of Alan Hansen. (laughs) Turns out it's not just the traditional lagered up matchday fan who celebrates goals by immediately goading the opposition. (laughs) Uh, All the best uh, from Aaron.
1: I I think that might prove exactly the opposite point, doesn't it? That that it sounds an awful lot like (laughs) anyone can be a (laughs) lined-up matchday fan.
0: And finally, from Mick Kane, who would like to bring to our attention a jack passage for our out-of-context Reacher feature. Mick, thank you very much indeed. You did send a lot more than just this, but this is the best bit. This uh, reference to one of Levante's finest is taken from earlier in a book that we've previously used, which is personal. It's from chapter 21. So, Andy Hinchcliffe, please, this week's edition of Out of Context Reacher.
2: She dug in her own pockets and came out with her pills cupped in her hand. Seven of them, fewer than before. She blew dust off them and picked up the bottle and popped the lid with her thumb and shoveled the pills back inside. I said, who is Antonio Luna? A friend of mine," she said. "I call him Tony Moon, a coworker, just a guy I know, who had an empty bottle just when you needed one." She didn't answer. Sublime. Uh, do, you, do you feel I'm improving? I do feel. I'm like not Ian improving. McKellen, granted, in many ways. Uh, <laughs> I feel. I feel I'm improving. My glasses. I can actually see what I'm reading. So that I That's feel was smart. the best. The best I've done so far. Well, I you think you
0: did very well. Uh, Mick signs off by saying, uh, if Lee Child is in the business of giving deliberate name checks to ex-Premier League left-backs, surely it can only be a matter of time before, yes indeed, Reacher and Hinchcliffe together at last. We hope that you get a mention in the new upcoming Jack Reacher novel. I've missed this. Is this why we're
1: doing Reacher? Because we think he names Premier League players. No, Aston Villa n- players. New information. He is an Aston Villa fan, He Lee names Child.
2: us as Aston Villa players in Lee Lee his books, Lee Child. Lee Child, yeah. the,
1: the, the man behind Jack Reacher.
2: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. If, I was in, if I was in one of the books, I'd probably be either a blooded corpse or the FBI's lead investigator.
0: Uh, at setpiecemenu, set menu at gmail.com or on Facebook, do send us your out-of-context Reacher uh, well, Can we not excerpts.
1: Di- I, I need more evidence of this. I need uh, more Reacher bits with Villa players' names in it.
2: That's what we need. Who was the Villa, midf- uh, Villa midfielder who went to Burnley who doesn't play anymore because Jack Cork's been too good. What's his name? He went from Villa to Burnley.
0: Ashley Westwood.
2: Ashley Westwood was a, a character in a Reacher book.
0: Is, is that, that right? Yeah. That's more evidence for you there. It, is, tr- it is true. Mo- I need more than this. Reacher fans,
2: <laughs> I, this is
1: a plea. Because I think, to be honest, I'm thinking there's an easy piece in this for me. So
2: I think we- there was a
0: Bob Hendry...
2: A Chuck with a <laughs> Ian McNaught. They're all they're all famous characters in Reacher books. Yeah, uh, FBI lead investigator Dalian Atkinson. Absolutely, yes, yes. Too
0: soon. Too soon. Uh, now then, uh, to our subject today, which isn't the Aston Villa players in Jack Reacher novels. Uh, When Wayne Rooney signed the deal that will take him to Derby as a player coach in January and he posed for photos with a shirt with the number 32 on it, did you spend some time wondering what the significance might be of that number? can't be his birthday, not his age, or his wife's. He was number 18 at Everton and 10 and then 8 at Manchester United. But then you look at the front of the shirt and it's a little clearer. Derby are sponsored by the online casino 32 Red. And while they denied direct link to Rooney's squad number... The club have admitted that the move created commercial opportunities for them and they then signed a new lucrative deal with the sponsor. Given that football's relationship with betting became enough of an issue to tighten the rules about when ads are shown around live TV games, are we to be concerned that the influence may be growing Elsewhere, Whether it's within the game, players and coaches have faced fines and bans for breaching betting rules, or without the game, fans being enticed by both the myriad shirt sponsors and betting companies into gambling on matches. How unsettled should we be about the relationship between football and betting?
3: There is clearly a big issue, and there has been for a long time, and it won't go away. And we really should be concerned by figures like 14 billion pounds in excess of a year being lost by people in the UK to betting that the industry turns over 1.5 billion pounds a year. And that you continuously hear stories about people who are now unable to watch a game of football on their TV without having a smartphone in their hand and making in-play bets that they have lost their passion for just watching the game that they need that that extra adrenaline rush that comes from putting money on it because mm. it is it is it's an addiction like like drink like drugs that is a concern what interests me about all of the bruhaha about the Rooney thing is that is this the line being crossed so you can have a majority of teams in the top two divisions in English football sponsored by betting firms. You can have the competitions sponsored by betting firms, you can have all sorts of tie-ups between the media and betting arms. But Wayne Rooney having the number thirty-two on the back of his shirt is the point is the straw that breaks the camel's back. That that seems a little bit absurd. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're we're focusing on something very small in amongst a, a haystack of all sorts, you have of to products. look
2: at the overall involvement yeah. in every way rather than just say this is different from everything else because it it is across everything else and it is such a big part we, we just take it for granted now don't we see that we just presume this either it used to be payday loans didn't it? there's a big thing about the the companies that are offering these payday loans now it's the betting companies as well but it, it is a part of of life they are legitimate businesses so clearly they are doing what they're legally allowed to do and they're making such Extraordinary amounts of money that clearly football clubs. This is this is why it's happening, and businesses in general are getting in, involved with with betting companies. But again, it's it's morally, isn't it? Yeah. When when will will somebody take a moral stance and say, ah, maybe we should? Because there's so much money at stake and so much money they can use. Presumably, the Rooney deal was part of that, financed by the
0: kind of retrospectively if you like yeah. but but a, a reason behind the ability to get the new deal was Rooney signing so the two are inextricably linked the chronology obviously is subject to private conversations do you I don't not imagine.
1: think that part of the outrage about the Rooney thing was the the lack of subtlety of it. If if it was a if it was Bernard Matthews, the the turkey farmer, who'd done that, and Bernard Matthews had a no specific number and they wanted a player, to, or they, or a club, some club signed a player called Bernard Matthews that was sponsored by Bernard Matthews. What
3: well, Rooney had to have beautiful on the back of his <laughs> yeah, shirt. Exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: bruni for that.
1: I think part of the problem, part of the objection, was the sense that the club was selling itself out to a company. I think the fact that it was a gambling i think gambling has become so embedded in football that was an extra layer to it, but I'm not sure that the that it was the own it was only because it was a gambling company that there was a problem i think I think football is far too accepting of gambling yeah. and I think football has to do something to try and separate itself from the betting industry not that it's not legitimate but that that we have to t- take into account the kind of social issues but i i yeah i I do wonder whether it is so kind of integral to to football, and the kind of it's so much part of a lot of people's match their culture and the, the culture of football that I do wonder whether part of the problem was ju- was just the sense that the club was selling itself a little bit. It looked it was just a cheap thing to do. That fans are kind of used to sponsors on the shirts, and they're getting used to sponsors on the sleeves, and eventually they'll get used to sponsors on the back, and then sponsors on the bottom of the back, like they have in France, and and that's I think fans will will wear a certain amount of that. Without objecting, but the idea that you're trying kind to of change in squad numbers to suit companies is a bit, just feels so a it's bit just. Companies,
0: not the fact that it's a betting company. I think that there would have been.
1: I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm sort of massively pro sort of saturation gambling, but I think that there would have been a problem regardless of the nature of the company who wanted that particular publicity stunt. It was
3: definitely crass that the Rooney thing. I, I, I was just surprised that that was the thing in amongst all the other mm. football and betting tie-ups that, that was suddenly people were saying, well, this is too much. And hey, do you know what? If it shone a light on a problem and opens the discussion up further, then maybe that's not such a bad bad thing. And it could be something that potentially backfires on, on those sorts of companies if they push these publicity stunts too far. Because, of course, we've had the other high-profile one involving Paddy Power and What's Huddersfield with the shirts, with the sash sponsorship across the front of their jerseys. Now they tried to turn that into a positive thing and they've obviously raised some money for charity by auctioning off the, the shirts. But uh, Huddersfield have been charged under uh, certain guidelines by the FA. So we've not heard the end of that, that one. So it clearly is a conversation that we need to be having and we need to be having it publicly and a lot more vociferously because the gamblification of football has now gone too far. And if you think about just to, to pick one example of the, the tie up between Chinch's employers who have a betting arm and that one of their most prominent presenters, Jeff Stelling, fronts the adverts for that betting arm, then it makes it almost look like content is helping the, the two things sort of in terms of the visual spectacle of watching football on the television. But the betting and the football seem to sort of just seamlessly blend into one now, and that can't be healthy.
0: Uh, the Premier League, uh, for their part, say they're not particularly concerned. They say it's part of the game. They're not worried that this, in response to the Wayne Rooney uh, deal. There are clearly football clubs, football organisations, who are attempting to make money, and it just so happens, and broadcasters too, obviously, with the advertising, that is now not allowed to be shown during the game, only before and after the, the, the 90 minutes. Uh, Take place. So there are concerns enough to not do that. But the amount of money that is coming into the game Mm. is so significant. You look at those high profile advertising slots, they were pretty much always betting companies, and they would have been the most expensive slots to purchase on Sky or BT. BT's coverage is sponsored by uh, a betting company. I think it still is this season. so it's, it's clearly important for those institutions within the game to have the kind of money that comes in. So why should we be therefore discouraging of clubs like Derby, who are going to be paying Wayne Rooney somewhere between eighty and £100,000 a week, we understand, are having to meet FFP requirements that the Championship and the EFL put in place. Should we be discouraging of those clubs to find... Revenue, mm. legitimate revenue from people who are willing to give them that revenue.
2: Well, if we're talking about immorally, the, the, the huge clubs maybe have a choice of who they take their money from. But maybe as you drop down the divisions and you have a betting company willing to put some money into a lower league club, are, are we saying that they should be turning their back on? Is it their fault that they take the money from the betting companies? If, if, there's, if they're not going to get that kind of funding anywhere else... who who needs to take the standard the the TV companies can say well we're not going to put your advertising in those slots maybe they can financially afford to say we're not going to do that we're going to take less money from from someone else to advertise in that slot a lot of the big football clubs can maybe turn down certain sponsors Mm. because they have choice do lower league clubs have that choice?
1: Probably not. They obviously have less of a choice. Or
2: should the betting companies not be getting involved?
1: Well, the, I think the bigger question is: should there be, at a governmental level, the same prescription on gambling advertising as there is on cigarette advertising? Nic- uh, yeah, cigarette and nic- nicotine advertising. I suppose I'm not. I'm not quite sure what the advertising on the advertising on 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 vaping is. You, you do see kind of vape billboards in a way that you don't see billboards billboards for like Marlboro Lights. So that's obviously allowed. What's the rules on football and alcohol? Does that, there, there's no major clubs with alcohol as sponsors anymore, is there?
0: I don't think so. I
2: don't think there's any is there.
1: Which is a major change. That was yeah, always the
0: last one that I can think of.
1: Sharp View Cam at Manchester United. <laughs> was, that, was that
2: a conscious? <laughs> if you boiled one of them up, <laughs> was that a conscious change for the clubs stepping away from that type of advertising? Or
1: so I know that the, a lot of the clubs who had Holston, 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 both yeah.
0: Um, both Rangers and Celtic had McEwan's Lager yeah, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And Tenants, at one point, I think. Tenants, yeah. They had a whole series of lagers um, on the front of the old firm.
2: Motherwell, Umbongo. Oh, no, that's <laughs> an alcoholic, sorry. It
0: depends what you put in it. Yes. yes. If you boil up a sharp you can Ooh, put that in, Ooh,
1: Not half. I don't know whether there's a law on it. I don't know whether it's banned by law. You're, you're obviously allowed to advertise alcohol, watch TV in Britain for about three minutes, and all you see is alcohol and gambling. Um, the. I wonder whether a lot... Certainly the bidder clubs, as part of their international push, found that it was difficult having an... A, a, for, a sponsor that, that didn't play well at all in the Muslim world and I think that's probably a major factor mm-hmm. in in moving away from for example brands that sell lager towards banks that are guilty of money laundering for cocaine cartels for example um, the, which isn't necessarily ideal and Asian betting syndicates so yeah I, I think that that's probably, a, that's probably where that's gone so that might be a self enforced rule rather than a, a rule that's been, that's been kind of Puts put upon them the and, and problem the TV is ads
0: as well. That's 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 a gentleman's agreement, isn't it, to to do that? That, that there's no legislation stopping those uh, betting companies from advertising during the game. Uh, from what I understand, it yes. is an agreement. They that sort of
3: stepped. They've stepped, stepped, yeah, yeah. stepped back from step back from. But in in terms of the the money that's coming in via sponsorship, but also in terms of advertising for the media, you know, we are all at some time or another employed by somebody who probably relies on advertising revenue to, to make their product affordable, whether that's newspapers or television channels or organisations that we work for. Yeah. And of course, like, revenue from advertising is dropping in just about every sector apart from, from the gambling industry, yeah. where it's dramatically on the rise. So in terms of your... TV subscription, well, that's arguably kept down by the money that they are able to bring in from gambling firms. And certainly the cost of your newspaper is because newspapers, and it's not just tabloids, broadsheets as well, their advertising space is dominated by gambling companies because that's where they can generate the revenue from. So that that is why we are so far down the rabbit hole in terms of this relationship between... Between betting and football, and 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 how unhealthy it's become.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's not really. I'm, I'm not even. It feels a bit like it's not really about football. It's it's more kind of how central gambling is in life, hmm. which is is interesting because it's so obviously like cigarettes are now totally taboo and no no one no one not even like your proper hard right Jacob rees modern sort of what's the word. Uh, fundamentalists who think basically there should be no social controls on anything would, would I think, particularly seriously say we should. Do you know what we should do? We should we should advertise cigarettes more. Like that's not a, just that, to children. That yeah, just target them specifically to, at children. Yeah, yeah. Put them in like pink and, and green packets. Make them look like uh, nerds. The sweets.
0: Al- yes. Alternate them with a sweet. Yeah. Candy stick as well. You know, just so you don't know which one you're going to get.
1: Exactly. That, I don't think people feel that we should do that. I think I don't think there's a huge amount of anger about kind of restrictions on alcohol advertising. But we, we do seem to look at gambling differently. Maybe does it's a, a like a psychological addiction rather than a than what something to be perceived as like a physical addiction.
2: But also with the, with the rise in say smartphone technology, the ability to be able to bet so easily yeah. is that that's gone hand. That, the betting company that's fallen into their into their lap as well because it is you can watch your football on your handle, <coughs> Everyone's got them. Everyone uses them for everything. So the betting companies. With, with the change and the improvements in smart, it's so easy to do these. And that, that's the, it's the ease with which you can do it. Whether it should be there in the first place is a, maybe a moral issue because it's got every right to be there. But it's the way maybe we live our lives, smartphone technology, it feeds completely into that. You can watch your football. Steve said it's inextricably linked now with football. And people probably don't even notice that you can put a bit it's just they're so used to seeing it now. There's the game and there'll be kind of a, maybe a strap line underneath. You want to place a bet on this game? You can do. And you press a button, and it's done. So maybe it's because, again, how people live and using smartphones in the way that they do, that this has just accelerated maybe people getting involved in, in gambling much more than they... They had to go down the bookies. I don't know whether it would be... Because it's, it's, it, is, it is so easy to do it.
3: Yeah, Rory's right. It's a, societal, it's a society problem, not just a football problem. But perhaps the issue is that because people think that they know football so well, and perhaps as a sport, it's a particular problem with football because everybody believes that they've got that bit of inside knowledge or nouse about the game which will enable them to beat the bookie. I mean, there will be people, of course, in other sports who, who feel they have that insight and I, I suppose horse racing is a, mm-hmm. another example. Everybody seems to have a, a hot tip for the, the Grand National every year, for example. But football, in terms of the volume of football that's played that we can watch on our televisions, is going to be much easier for people to fall into the trap of being absorbed by that becoming part of their, not just daily ritual, but multiple times a day, that they would have a bet on a football match somewhere in the world.
0: And you've got the the, the, the monetization of fantasy football as well. The Footballer Index, which is essentially daily fantasy, where you were, yep. can, can spend inordinate amounts of money to try and make more money just on yeah. the performances of footballers. So th- those things are happening too. We probably haven't got time to delve into fancy daily fancy and the future of daily fancy. It's huge in America and it, it hasn't really come over here to a great extent because we don't have as many sporting events mm. as, as they do on a daily basis. But that is a feature as well. You try and use what you feel is your expertise to not only beat your friends now in a fancy football super league, but also you do it to try and make money and given that there are riches available and you, you feel like your expertise is worth something, that is another avenue down which surely many will go
1: yeah I would have thought so I'm always, I'm always, it sounds a bit glib and it's not meant to but I'm always slightly surprised when you see the kind of the maybe the more esoteric gambling sponsors, the kind of the, the, the Asian uh, the synthetics of the wrong word, I, I should point out that I come at this subject from a background of someone who has basically never, I think I've, been, I've Put money on the Grand National twice and lost, decided it wasn't really good at it, stopped gambling.
2: I met a, a professional gambler at the Grand National, the only time I've ever been, and the one race that day he didn't bet on was, was the, the Grand, Grand National. Nation. Oh, all right. the other races that were that's going on on the TV, he had things that's the running. Irony
0: of the Grand National. Fort, 40 and he horses said this: is, no, ch- yeah. ch- no chance. Pointless maybe is, yeah. well, maybe yeah. that's
2: where I've done. Maybe I'm a, I'm a, I'd actually be a really talented <laughs> gambler.
1: But so, as someone who doesn't gamble at all, mm. I'm always. The two, the two things that really strike me: one is, is the, the sort of like man bet X, and the, the ones that are on like swan, the one Swansea shirt that you couldn't actually decipher what it was. Like it wasn't immediately clear what they were advertising. I'm surprised that, well, I'm not surprised. It, I think it's striking that there is enough money in gambling that it's not just like British firms and American firms and European firms. It's it's all of these. Um, there's, there's, there are firms that you would... Ne- that I think you'd, you'd have to be quite a hardcore gambler to have heard of, yeah. to an extent. Like you've got to kind of... I, again, I don't understand how, how it works.
0: But it's not our market that they, but they, they're, they're yeah, advertising not to. Yeah, that's for our benefit, yeah. is it, those No,
1: expenses? No, 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 no. But, they, but they are offering... They offer bets that are not like, I think Norwich will beat Sheffield United. It's far more complex than that. Yeah. And it, it's, dry, it's just interesting to someone who's not got any exposure or knowledge of that world at all quite how widespread it is. Just out of interest, because you, mm.
3: you've said it's, it's not something that's ever floated your boat. Certainly, it's never held any sort of attraction for me. You know, my mates at university used to, you know, put money into fruit machines in the yeah. pub That's I, I just never don't understood um, the, don't the attraction. do ne- Never saw what the attraction of that was I, at I all. I literally
0: don't understand. No, that's that. what I mean.
3: So, I mean, we, we're probably all coming to this from the point of
1: view of,
0: that, of that's, not
3: really, that's not really, really
1: rare on the hook. Because the other thing that I think is, is maybe a different aspect of it, but that's that's damaging about a lot of the betting adverts, the kind of, it matters more if there's money on it, type adverts, is that that plays into a a vision of... I'm going to use a buzz phrase, I do apologise, of toxic masculinity that is not... Or is a a toxic form of masculinity. it's, It's indelibly linking the idea that, that man gambles like you take a risk don't you? you take a risk with Ray Winston don't you yeah Terry Hardcastle he takes it likes, <laughs> likes a flatter doesn't he Yeah, on the ponies yeah of course he does so you're
2: proving how much of a man you are by well, whether you, you win think, or lose yeah no I do agree yeah, with it absolutely yeah
1: or it's men, but, like, but men, also, like, men like football and men like gambling and men like gambling on football and I, I
0: don't see but, but to win the, on football gambling on football is to show expertise yes. and it's yes. not just yes. to win money it is to Better one's peers yes. because one wins money for being which, cleverer, which yes.
3: comes back to the point I was making, which is why perhaps football's relationship with betting has had this spotlight shone upon it because it everyone is the sport that they everyone they thinks they know what they're doing.
1: But I think there's, that, that's dangerous. That you see that's what apart from the fact that Ray Winston's kind of giant disembodied head comes at me from the from the TV like four or, or five th- times 3D an evening. TV. 3D TV. Yeah. No, it's not that. It's just a, that's where Ray Winston sits when he comes around. <laughs> and the. Um, but I, I do think it's, 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 it creates an impression of what it is to be a football fan, what it is to an extent to be a man. I think it's probably, it's, it's, it's almost certainly aimed at men. I can't, it feels like a very kind of masculine, in inverted commas, basically all of this is in inverted commas. I know I'm, I'm, without context, it might sound like I'm not being woke. But I think a lot of it is aimed at men. I think it creates an impression of what it is to be a football fan and what it is to be a man that is damaging and dangerous and perpetuates not only existing gambling addictions, but is, is specifically designed, I imagine, to make more people in at least some way reliant on gambling.
3: And, and as well as that macho thing, which you're absolutely bang on about, Rory, the other side of it is that there's you see, see now the adverts where, you know, if you've got a bit of nous, you gamble with us. If you know what you're doing, if you're a switched-on kind of guy then this is where you need to so There's a
2: hierarchy to the betting companies.
3: Yeah, that, that they almost like, we saturated the macho thing. Now we're going to play into another, perhaps, of your insecurities as to whether or not I really know what I'm doing. Well, I can prove it mm. by getting the better of the
0: bookie
2: over there. If you wear spats, bet with us, that type of thing.
0: <laughs> we will finish uh, our conversation um, by the element of within the game. And Ray George... Uh, has emailed to say, gents, first off, thanks for the great podcast. Always leave with that. Thank you, Ray. Definitely the highlight of my morning commute on the epitome of modern advancement. That is the New York City subway. You know, you can do like the auto Ray.
3: signature thing on your email. Maybe people should set their e- all their emails up to be able to start with,
1: hey guys, thanks for the great pro- podcast. <laughs> can I just make a, make a point about the New York City subway? Yes, please do. You know that they've just got like a contactless pay- payment thing only now yeah
0: my last visit was a long time ago so i'm
1: not even sure that you can just use a bank card a contactless bank card
0: you have to use a bespoke
1: like an oyster transit card. i think i feel i may be wrong on that and i think that there's some sort of you can use apple pay and all the fancy stuff that i don't understand mm. can you imagine getting to 2019 without a contactless payment system on a mass transit system new york Oh
3: well, New York's underground system is barely even underground. Anyway, I mean you can more or less touch it as you reach through the you know reach through the grate in the pavement.
0: <laughs> uh, so Ray, get to it, as I'm sure you're aware of the problem. Uh, my question, says Ray, is about betting, uh, specifically players betting on games in which they participate. Obviously, if a player bets against him/slash herself, that crosses the line. But what if they bet for themselves in a game? This behaviour has banned Pete Rose from the Baseball Hall of Fame, despite being one of the best players of all time. From what I understand, that has been a debate that has raged for decades about Pete Rose. Um, so that's that's Ray's point. And Chinch, I just wanted to bring in your expertise here. Did you on football or betting? Uh, uh, both, as oh. they uh, have a synergy for this mm. part of the conversation. Did, did, was that rife, as we are led to believe? It happened a good deal in the nineteen eighties and prior. Was that rife in any of any of the dressing rooms that you had? Whether it was betting on not betting on yourself, but I can't betting remember on football. I can't remember a single everything because the disposable income. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah. I,
2: I can't remember a single conversation along the lines of, of players putting bets on either themselves or our games or other games. What about playing not cards a single or one?
0: Stuff like that. Did you bet big money playing cards?
2: We used to. Well, I'd, I first. Played cards when I went to Everton, and I felt I had to. Pl- I didn't understand what I was doing.
0: Snap.
2: It, it was more than snap. It was quite a complicated game because apparently know. there's like four suits in it. I really didn't know. But when Kevin Ratcliffe said, "Do you want to join the card school?" Yes, I said. I but there was no money. There was fitting. no. There was just no. Mo- basically, just a fit. I had no idea what I was doing. Did but there was the no. Car-
1: did you think the card school was some sort of educational program? Uh,
2: yes, I did. Yes, I did. I thought it was maybe we were going to discuss. George Orwell, or, but it wasn't. It yeah. was basically, let's just play cards. Well, um, like
3: it was a niche greeting card no, like,
1: making. No, stuff. like maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah like it was. Like Arts rap, and crafts. diff wrapping and stuff. No, like Can maybe you they teach back it to the community. They teach you how to play cards and then they play cards with you rather than they'd be like, do you want to join the, the, the card stool? No, they but just. expect you to already have your product. They, they
2: expected me to be a fully fledged card player, which I clearly wasn't, but no, mo- no money changed hands. Neville Southall used to run a a very lucrative but not financially trivial pursuit competition (laughs) on the Everton bus, which was hotly contested, but he tended to win by employing a variety of methods to ensure that he did win, which were disgusting. Um, But no, I never, generally, it's really interesting that you mentioned that, because I'm thinking back, no, I can't ever remember, but it's something I was never interested in, never would be. So maybe there were... In Dark Corners, these conversations about Swamp gambling and betting... Dreams. Exactly, yes. Andy Booth presumably would have been into that type of thing. But no, I can't remember a single conversation with players talking about gambling. So
3: on the Everton team bust the idea of there being some big cheese at stake in our <laughs> latest competition. Very, very big cheese. To find that it was just a game of trivia.
2: Yes, I don't think I've ever been able to tell that story, have I? No, you haven't, unfortunately. <laughs> Thank no, it's one God, God for that. For
3: that. But you, it, that, that correspondence about players betting footballers betting on football is a really interesting one isn't it because yeah obviously you can see why they they can't bet on their own team but there is a certain absurdity isn't it to the fact that a footballer could be wearing one betting firm's name on his jersey playing in a competition sponsored by another betting firm the the contest in which he's performing in is constantly littered with advertisers from a whole plethora mm. of Gambling organisations, companies have what may. Yet you then have to turn around and tell them that you can't gamble on football.
1: You can promote it, but you can't
3: participate. Is, is
2: it because they have maybe some kind of insider knowledge? What? what I presume, why? I presume why, it why are it must
1: they? Be that. I presume it must be that the bookies don't want them having a head start. Yeah. Okay. So you got Daniel Sturridge, who's been banned from all football for, for apparently advising someone to bet on him moving to Sevilla. Yes. So, which is probably fair enough. <sighs> This, I mean, obviously you shouldn't bet on games that you're involved in. I don't, I, I, personally, I don't quite understand what the problem would be if you bet, to, bet bet on your own team to win. I'm not quite sure why that would be morally. But enough. also, the amount of football I fans... See why the wouldn't like The
2: it. amount of football you've watched over the years, we've commentated on, fans have watched. Aren't we all in the know, to a degree. Chinch, have you, have you read any of my work? I would, I would say that
1: that
0: answers your question Thankfully, no.
2: There's always, the there's always a choice for me between yourself and Lee Child, and Lee always just tips the balance.
0: You're not mentioning enough Aston Villa play. Yeah. You yeah, no. need to start doing yeah. that.
2: There's yeah. not enough murder. If you do the Lee Hendry story, I would gladly read it. Do the Sava Milosevic, the full-on, the real Sava Milosevic. There you Milosevic. go. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic again. We are. Mm. But I, I presume it is that, but aren't we all kind of... Yeah, Joey Barton, if he's... I, I presume... Well, the amount of bets that you hear that they put on, they, they clearly would have been on other games. But the I, betting companies are uh, saying it's because you're within I, I, that but, world but you, you're, not all rules, the, well, it, you're not allowed
0: to do it. they're all specifically saying not allowed to... pull skulls. But also, on, what, on what grounds? Fine, because
2: yeah. you're involved... Because you're involved in the
1: game. In the game. So, it, it, right. it's a... The other thing is, I suppose, the FA could would say it's bringing the game into disrepute that you're potentially calling... It might be that you call into question the integrity of, of the game at some point. So... I think the FA's view is just that it's easier to say there is no, if you're a footballer or a manager, mm-hmm. there is no gambling.
3: I, I understand all of that and it all makes perfect sense right up until the point that gambling and football are so intrinsically linked in so many other yeah. ways. Yeah. Why are you, again, to come, why are you drawing the
1: line there? Well, it's because football has chosen to, that it's, it's happy to dance with the, with the devil, isn't it, effectively? It's basically said there is a price worth paying for this and we, we don't mind this little bit of hypocrisy or. We're not. Pre- we're prepared to, t- to turn a blind eye. I think the Premier League standing chief exec came out last week or the week before and said that he doesn't think it's reached the tipping point yet, where yeah. football needs to think about its relationship with gambling. Where the hell is the tipping point? Is it where, well, like Ray Winston's the referee? Is that is that when we think? Oh, that's a bit too not far. Not Ray
0: Winston. Ray Winston's floating head.
1: Just a giant disembodied head of Ray it's Winston appears above, above the game. Above Craven Cottage. This means decisions
2: more. with Foxy as a linesman, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's just being, that's just being flippant.
0: When you hear stories about the, the England uh, dressing room under Svenja and Eriksson and Michael Owen talking about racking up 50000 £60,000 worth of gambling debts from just playing cards, mm-hmm. when they're off on international duty, though, when you hear players as modern as that so it's not even an old school an old card school Mm, if you will mm, mm. and there are those who are and and I imagine the disposable income obviously has clearly gone up so the amounts of money will therefore go up uh, alongside it but is that so even though it didn't happen to you Chinch is that can you understand why that must be with the amounts of money that players have that would be an, an easy outlet for them or something that they can't Turned down. But it's
2: it's not just Mike Owen. Is it Matthew Etherington? Remember the Stoke players? He had so a right? couple yes. of million pounds yeah. with it. So again, having the income, and again, is it? It, it is an addiction. Of course, it's How you how you get started on that road? It's one thing. It might be other people in the dressing room. You just make that first bet, and off you go from there. And because you have the money, it just spirals. But the stories of, of players doing this again, the fans think, well, if they're doing it, it's it's what we. Should all be? Do- I, I don't. In many ways, you think it's it's okay because if the players are, do- even though they're racking up these debts, the players are doing it. So maybe it's, it is just part of football. But now. Is
1: The fact that the players are doing it, and from your your suggestion, it might be more common now. When it shouldn't really, it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Premier League players shouldn't need to bet. They've got loads of money. They don't need to try and make more money, which I think ties into what you what, what you said about the fact that it's not about winning money alone. It can be about kind of status and proving what, you know something. But, but, but also a thrill, a, a thrill. A thrill, yeah, a thrill. Buzz, yeah. But are they not? Kind of the, the the front line victims, almost, of this idea that gambling is an intri- is an intrinsic part of the football experience. That the players have been, even the players are being fo- made to think actually, the full kind of gamut of being a footballer is football is about sport and running around and goals and crosses and XG and having arguments with people about nation states backing football clubs, but it's it's also about gambling and the players maybe are, are being exposed, are obviously, being exposed to that as well, and that's where it's coming from. That they are thinking this is. This is, this is part of the normal experience and I think that's the dangerous part where, we, where gam- it has become accepted that gambling on football is part is a crucial part of the football experience rather than an optional one
0: yeah we should we should say that the the buzz that we've just aligned with footballers is the same buzz that that normal punters yeah. will feel if you've got an accumulator on Saturday fixtures which you have no interest in whatsoever and you're watching to see if Accrington can score because you've got six teams and you've picked them all to score and you know, that, that adds an extra thrill to a slate of football fixtures which don't necessarily thrill you. The same argument, as I mentioned briefly earlier on, with fantasy football. That's been monetised, but the original fantasy football is simply to have something in that game. You, you are suddenly interested to see if random player Che Adams can score a goal for Southampton, Even if it's against your team, that's where the hook comes from. Is that that's what you're doing? You're hooking people in. That's absolutely associated with that. Or some people have monetized their fancy football leagues just themselves locally. But you you will have an interest in something, and if you extrapolate that to the extent that we've seen all manner of, and we talked about the Asian betting syndicates, when you've got every game in every country on every day, Mm -hmm. and you can have that thrill and that excitement, if it gives you that every five minutes of every day well that's you what they're, understand that's what they're providing
2: you know maybe betting or or trying to decide on how your own club or your own your own players are going to perform is one thing but you have the capability of probably every hour of every day on, on, on showing how how clever you are how knowledgeable you are not even that just having something invested in a game that's going on in america or in australia and to me, it, it never has. As a person, it's never interested me, that type of... But I can understand... And you have but loose again, morals. Absolutely, very loose indeed. Yeah, they're the loosest. But again, it's that ability and that the ease with which you can do it on online. It is so easy to do. And again, they're providing all these markets. And that's why they do it. Because they're saying it's not just this Saturday, once a week, that you can do this. You can do this every hour of every single day. And people get hooked on it.
3: I know... Hugh is about to do the bit where he says, uh, and now it's time for Chinch to tell us a story from his playing days. Uh, So I will get this out of the way very quickly. But one thing we've not touched upon is something that Rory has spoken about on a previous uh, set piece menu. But of course, the other bit where football, the media and betting is now all neatly tied up in a bow is when you can be reading a story in a newspaper about the latest manager you know, tips to be the first to be sacked this season and next to that story is an advert for a betting company where amongst the odds perhaps that they're advertising is the odds for, you know, who the next manager is to be sacked mm. even and worse that is that, uncomfortable.
1: Even worse than that are the, the cases that, I mean, this isn't this isn't a, like a cheap dig at anyone but involving News International companies and, and Fox and Sky because they run betting companies yeah. they run media companies and you quite often find in name the paper, it's not a specific. Did it them, but you quite often find in the Sun that there are that there are stories about crazy odds that are being offered on managers being sacked. So you know, Pochettino only six to four to go, and the odds have come from Sunbet. And that is not. So they are reporting on their own odds, yeah. or are they setting the odds so they can be reported on? Where's the Where's the line there? I'm not sure that that is a. I'm not sure that those are two industries that should necessarily be allowed to be simultaneously owned, if I'm completely honest. And Sky, I mean, Sky do it as well. It's not just... Yeah, it's you not mentioned
0: just, Jeff Stelling earlier on and, and how it's meant to seem like it's entertainment. Well, when
1: you're, when you're watching Sky Sports News, you will quite often see mentions of Sky Bear and, yeah. and odds taken from Skybear And you think, well, well, that's fine as you're reporting the odds. But that is a, that's a synchronicity mm-hmm. that Jack Donnelly would refer to as vertical integration. But that, that is not necessarily... A 30 Rock the, Next, Next, Sky will be selling their own sofas. And the um, design to make you get off them and go to the, the, bet- the betting shop. But, the, uh, yeah, that's not, that's not entirely comfortable, that Sky can run a story and be setting the odds on that story coming true. Is that right? Is that, is that how it should work? I'm not sure it is. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad I set you up for that, Rory. Sorry for taking over. No, not at all. I'm going to go back to teaching Ed how to use a cannon. <laughs> So it is at this point... A Playmobil cannon.
3: I should <laughs> yes. I should Not add. a
0: real canon. It is at this point where I deliver those uh, much vaunted and predicted by Stephen words. It's time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, What a Soccer Story. This is when Andy tells a tale from his playing days, with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. This might
2: well be a first. This is a follow-up story to one of my other... Soccer stories. So is this
3: old content
2: changing? No, no, way. no, no. It's not old content. It's fresh and new and vibrant. Is
0: it but a it's sequel?
2: So- In essence, it is. is In it, essence, it is, is yes. Is it a
0: sequel as part of a trilogy?
2: Um, it might well be, but I'm only on the second instalment okay, and I haven't yet told part, it.
0: The third part's always rubbish, so, yes. um, so make, make this a good one.
2: Can I tell the second part now? Well, now, or? That now
0: that we've got the ground rules, yes. you can continue.
2: Do you remember the, the John Hartson story I told you after the 5-0 drubbing at Hillsborough? at the end of the match when I went over to kind of congratulate him on the fine victory for the Wombles. And he grabbed me by the hand, pulled me towards him and said, if you're going to congratulate me, make sure you look me in the eye. And I was truly frightened. It must have come across in that story. Truly frightened. John Hartson yes. is a frightening man. If you ever watched him play football, frightening. The story I've just told you, the original story, frightening. Terrifying. So I'm, I'm doing... Something for Sky, which I've watched but never done before. The debate.
0: Oh, is this the one uh, the, the jacket with the jacket.
2: Jeff Shree's jacket. No,
0: your jacket. My. Listen, let's not get
2: into having. My jacket was excellent.
0: The brown tweed was. It was
2: my bet. grouse shooting jacket. <laughs> I in, wear it on air
3: to fit in with the topic of today's podcast. You wore that jacket as a bet.
2: I did not wear it as a bet. I thought long and hard before you should have seen the ones I um, I turned down before I picked that one. If you think that one was poor, anyway, it wasn't poor. It wasn't poor.
0: That gave you that jacket. That wasn't the jacket that you took yourself. No, it was Marks and
2: Spencers that gave me that jacket, and I paid for it.
0: This (laughs) is not the this is not the
2: story I I wanted to tell. No, I'm not. Oh goodness! Can we get back to John Hartson? Anyway, so I turn up at the studio, Sky Studios, and I'm told that Shrees will be hosting said debate. And the one thing I'm going to ask is, who is my it was fellow dreams. pundit? No, <laughs> who is my fellow pundit? It's John Hartson, producer Phil tells me. And you, you can sense already the, the fear that is, is going through my muscular body at that point. John Hartson, and I'm feeling this, this again, is this going to be part two, where he basically has an opportunity in a confined space to kill me. <laughs> but this is the story... What a wonderful man. Um. I, didn't, I didn't want to bring up, because maybe he did this to every poor, unsuspecting left-back in every game where they won 5-0. I didn't feel it was right to mention this game. So I, I, I just, if he, was, if he brought it up, then maybe we would talk about it and how frightened I was of him. But he didn't. So I thought, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm, I'm a tough guy now. I've changed my ways. But he was so incredibly lovely and nothing like his on-field persona. So it just shows you that, who is John, ha- is John Hartson, this lovable giant of today, who has changed from the giant haystacked lunatic that's put on a football shirt and rampaged round football pitches. But I was really, genuinely, there's not many people I've met, because you, you do, obviously the players that you played with and then you, you work with them in the media, there's no one that I've ever thought, oh my goodness this could be tricky because of what happened when we played. But with John Hartson, after the story I told you previously, I was genuinely frightened of meeting him. But he completely allayed all my fears. And we had a wonderful evening, informed evening, talking about VAR and Christian Erikson. And we... Well, I wouldn't say we were hand-in-hand hand as we walked back to our, to our taxis, but we, we did discuss divorce, we discussed children, it was, and the job, and how great a co-commentator he thought I was. I said I hadn't heard any of his work. And um, it, was, it, was, it was a connection. I feel I was that close to saying, John, can I have your mobile number? I should really have done that. I'm hoping I get a third opportunity to meet him, get his number, because I do feel he is very close to being my very best friend.
0: I've got John Hartson's mobile I've number. I've also got John Hartson's mobile number. Do you want it? Could,
2: could, you, could you send him a text saying how much I enjoyed working with the big man? No, Actually, no, don't, no you, I'm that's not going to really. trust you. To don't send him anything, Rory, because I know what you'd send I, him. I would make it erotic. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that, because it could spoil this, this blossoming relationship, which clearly is going places.
0: Does anybody else think that when, when Chinch asks a rhetorical question like... And a meaningful one, Mm. Uh, like, who is John Hartson with his glasses on? It adds a certain air of, I don't know, emotion, seriousness, Mm. thoughtfulness. When I
2: say who is John Hartson, we know who he is. But what I'm asking you to do, (laughs) sat around this table and our listeners, is to look deep into your own souls and into the soul of the Welshman John Hartson and decide just how deep that soul is. And to me, it is bottomless.
3: Nothing that Chinch says in those glasses makes me think of anything other than Miss Marple drawing her conclusions. <laughs> I,
2: did, I did go into a local chemist chain. They're not shoes. they are I won't say who they are. <laughs> and I'm sure I went to the grandma section of Ready Readers and I've got the most appalling... I actually bought three pairs. Are they all the same?
0: Or, all the same yeah if you have a soccer story and perhaps your name is John Hartson please send them to setpiece menu at gmail.com you can also get in touch via Twitter or Facebook of course and don't forget the SPNPLPL is open for business head to tinyurl.com forward slash menu to enter your teams in the order you think they'll finish in the Premier League before the deadline on the 30th of August please subscribe share rate, and reviews we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule thank you to Steve to Rory and to Andy and to you all for listening we'll be back with another setpiece menu for you to enjoy joy very soon indeed
2: and a big thanks to john hartson of course as well
0: it's important that we uh, that we mention him one more time
2: because i feel i'm carrying him within my heart now
0: do you know what part three will be mm. twist you murder john hartson no, Why? no i'm not gonna marry him no nobody's but expecting that what that's the twist but now you feel i have to go murder him just to complete the the circle it is the circle of life and indeed comma death death
2: It's the circle of death with Johnny Hartson.